The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. One of Paul's great verses. He has so many, but he said, God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. With that, we welcome you to Exploring the Word today. Bert Harper, Alex McFarlane, and it's our joy to be with you as we finish up the book of Galatians. We're probably going to do that in the our first segment, so we're going to get right ahead so we can take phone calls, man. Uh, this will be two segments of phone calls, and that number, 888-589-8840. Now, don't try to call yet, uh, but after the first segment, we'll open up the phone lines and be ready to go to answer those questions. And uh, Alex, again, Paul finishes up the book of Galatians and and I really believe uh, that that verse fourteen sums it up for Paul. My glory is in the cross of Christ. What a statement to a bunch of Judaizers, false teachers, wanting to go back to the law. Wow. Well, Bert, it's great to be with you on today's edition of Exploring the Word, and I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed our our trek through the epistle to the Galatians here over the last few weeks. And we're going to, like you say, wrap up. And and really kind of chapter 6 is just Christian fellowship and Christian duties. Now, uh, just a little bit of a review. In, in Galatians, really kind of in chapter 1 and 2, he restates the gospel, how it's been revealed by God, it's not of man. 2 and 3, he really emphasize the point that we are justified, that is made right in the sight of God through faith, not works. And then he, you know, uh, kind of contrasts in 4 and 5, legality versus faith, trying to be legalistic rather than walking by faith. And then yesterday you and I talked quite a bit about how, you know, the flesh and the spirit are kind of in this arm wrestling match. But, you know, it's it's kind of just an understatement to say that Paul has written so many profound things, obviously under the direction of the Holy Spirit. But Galatians 5 and 6, Bert, I mean, if... <laughs> verse we, after verse, right? <laughs> oh, goodness. We would have the Christian message if all we had of the New Testament was Galatians and especially Galatians 5 and 6. I mean, we'd have so much of the Christian message. But, um, you know, chapter 6 talks about um, if if somebody's overtaken in a fault, those who are spiritual, you know, restore that person, uh, bear one another's burdens, and fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? To love the Lord your God above all things and love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, then uh, we talked yesterday about um, looking after your preacher and doing good to those that are of the household of faith. But um, Bert, in verse 14 of chapter 6, I've, I've often tried to ponder on this and really sort of internalize what it means where he says, um, God forbid that I should glory except in anything but the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified to me and I unto the world. Now, let me just take a, a an attempt and you correct me. For one thing, 
all of our sins are nailed to the cross, and all the sins of the whole wide world were nailed to the cross. So the world was crucified by Jesus taking on all of our guilt. But then all of our desire, whether it be fame and pride and vainglory or religious you know, self-righteousness, that's nailed to the cross. That is dead to us. All of those trinkets and, and uh, promises of a fallen world, that's, that's dead because it's been nailed to the cross. But then me, living for myself and sin, that's been also crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but I live now by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Um, in, in the cross of Christ, everything of this world, including the believer, is dead, but now is eternally alive forevermore because of the cross of Christ and his resurrection. I mean, in Galatians 6, 14... Uh, there's a there's a lifetime of sermons in that one verse, isn't it? <laughs> there is. Uh, let me concentrate on the word what he gloried in. I'm going glory in the Christ. Now, this is at the end of Galatians. In the beginning of Galatians in chapter 1, he talked about his former glory, uh, giving his testimony. Uh, listen to it. It's in chapter 1 again. Uh, he said in verse 13, For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries of my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous than anyone else for the traditions of my fathers. He was glorying in the law and then he goes against those who are saying we should go back to the law. Yes, you're saved, but go back to the law and live under the law. And then here, as he concludes in chapter 6, he says, the glory is in the cross of Jesus Christ. That's his pilgrimage. That's where he is. I pray that it's your pilgrimage. And he emphasized that, started in verse 11, Alex, when he said, and this is personal. You don't see this comment anywhere other in Paul's writings. See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. Now, this is unusual for him to say that. I think he's saying it with emphasis on the rest of what he's saying. I'm writing the rest of this. He always used a secretary or the way they said it back then in Emmanuelensis, someone that was a dictating, he was dictating, and Mark or whoever it would, Timothy, would write it down. But he says, I've taken this quill in my own hand, and you see what large letters I've written. They've thought about was because of his eyesight, that could be. But he usually just ended it real quick with a, a verse or so. But here he writes this, and I, 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 verse 11 and verse 14, if you connect them, Alex, see if you agree. When you connect them, see what letters I have written with my own hand. And then he says, God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. What an emphasis. And I think he's doing this because he has battled these Judaizers, and he knows that they're dangerous and what they would lead to, and he has been emphatic to the believers of Galatia that they better go to the cross. Do you catch my connection in all of that? Absolutely, absolutely. And he's, he's sharing from his heart and doing his best to help impress on them that this is, this is not somebody else's message. I mean, this is his... Um, 
you know, final farewell, uh, famous last words in a way, you know. Um, and again, he restates in verse 15, he says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but what? So if, if Jew and Gentile are equally lost in their sin, what, what's the answer? A new creature. In other words, the new birth. The last four words of verse 15, but a new creature, um, I'm, that's the new birth. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17. So we have to be made new. How do we do that? Through faith in Jesus. Bert, now, isn't that just that's wonderful? That's awesome, Alex. That's exactly right. Now, notice what? Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. That's outward. That's outward. Right, yes. And no outward work will no do it. No outward work will do it. That's what he's emphasized. God does the work from within that works its way out. It says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It works out. God changes the heart. And we had a caller earlier this week talking about the stony heart that God takes out and puts in a heart of flesh. And and that is so true. God changes the direction. That's what it's talking about. Even in Proverbs, when it talks about uh, we're following him and he gives us direction, he'll guide our paths when we uh, give him credence over everything in our lives. So God does this work inward, and it comes outward into changed lives. No wonder what you just quoted from Paul. We are a new creation in Christ, and that creation started within, working its way out. And it still goes back to verse 12 and 13, and it says, For as many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these try to compel you to be circumcised only that they may not suffer persecution from the cross. It was all outward. This is what Paul was saying. These uh, Judaizers, these false teachers, they were wanting their own glory so people would look at them and say, look at them. You know, does this sound familiar with the Pharisees that Jesus had to deal with? You know? Oh, yeah. So I, this I think, is, yeah. is kind of, what are they trying? I'm asking you that. Do, do you think these false teachers are trying to, to combine the cross of Christ in faith with what the Pharisees taught with keeping the law. You know, they were they just couldn't turn loose of it, could they? They couldn't. And, you know, uh, even after the resurrection of Christ and the church was growing, history tells us that the, the J- Jewish leaders, I mean, they worked their hardest to infiltrate the church, to corrupt the message of the gospel, to spread false teaching that you had to keep the law. You know, you and I are going to record next week. Uh, Devin is going to record us, and I'm working on an outline that I hope you and I can record for a future show about when Jesus healed uh, 10 blind men, but only a Samaritan came back and said thanks. And the the Jew uh, converts that were healed didn't come back and say thank you, probably because Jesus had said, go and show yourself to the priests. And the priest probably said, Oh, you, you know, if you follow Christianity, we're going to kick you and your whole family out of the synagogue. You'll, you won't be saved. Uh, but listen, Paul had a lot to say about false teachers. I, I want to point this out because in verse 16, as many as walk according to this rule. Okay, what rule? That we're saved by faith, not works. We're justified. We're made new. We're born again through faith in Christ, not works. So he says, as many as walk according to this rule, peace be upon them, and mercy, and upon the Israel of God. 
Okay, so he says, to those that are preaching the true gospel, peace be upon them. Go back to verse 8 of chapter 1. Here's what Paul's, uh, you know, benediction was on the false teachers. But though we are an angel from heaven or any, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached, let him be anathema. So in Galatians 1, he pronounces a condemnation on those that would pervert the gospel. As this book closes, he pronounces a blessing on those that walk and preach according to the true gospel. Amen. And the Israel of God, this is not the church taking the place of God. This is just another name for for the church that we're doing. Uh, Israel has its own pattern. It has its own purpose. And God, according to Romans 11, God's got a lot more to do with the nation of Israel. But here the church, when the the, out of the church, you have Jew and Gentile, the Israel of God. And now verse 17 and 18, from now on, let no one trouble me for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Don't, don't let these people bother me. They were rejecting Paul and he says, don't let that happen. And he finishes up. This is beautiful. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Listen, Alex. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, apart from his grace, we are doomed. And Paul makes mm. that emphatic. Without the grace of God, and it comes activated in our life through faith when we put our faith in him because he died on the cross, he was buried, and rose again. What, what a journey. Hey, we're going to take calls. You ready to do that early? Uh, folks, the number is 888-589-8840 when we come back. Two-thirds of the show is nothing but your calls and questions, so today's your day. Call in. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Dennis Miatla, Acting Assistant Secretary of Energy for Nuclear Energy. He's responsible for nuclear technology research and nuclear technology infrastructure. Proverbs 14.15 reminds us of the importance of pursuing science and technology. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Dennis Miatma in his work at the United States Department of Energy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country, and we're joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans, along with other Christian leaders and theologians, often say that we're living in a post-Christian culture. But what does that really mean? We'll discover the answer today as we spend two minutes with Tony. In sports, a team wants to play, preferably, on their home field. That's where they're going to get maximum support from hometown fans. So they always seek to win enough games to get home field advantage. There was a time when Christianity in America had home field advantage. Everybody wasn't a Christian, but they respected Christianity. You could pray in school and it was okay. You could quote scripture, even read scripture in classrooms, in the public school. 
because it was okay. However, over this last generation, we are now a minority in a predominantly pagan culture, dismissing Christianity, marginalizing serious Christians, that we have now lost home field advantage. And the loss has been so great that we now have accumulated a whole generation of Benedict Arnolds. These are people who use the name Jesus while playing for the other team. They use the name to sound like they are Christian, but they spend their time changing uniforms at halftime so that they can be accepted by the culture. An idol can just as easily be an idea as an object, and they all drive a wedge between us and the Lord. Find out how to keep that from happening with the help of Tony's CD series, American Idols, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert here. Because we finished up the six chapters of Galatians just now, a couple minutes ago, we're going to go straight to the calls and uh, we'll have a good long time to uh, leisurely, I, I guess I could say leisurely, go through these questions. And I want to commend all of you. Let me give this number, 888-589-8840. Bert, I want to commend our listeners for asking really good Bible questions. And um, if it's okay, I'm keeping a list because we are working on volume two of our 100 questions book. Won't be out till next year. Volume one you can get if you go to the AFA store, and it's 100 Bible questions and answers from the first 10 years of exploring the Word that Bert and I, uh, it was our privilege, that book came out during October, during Cherithon. So we're, we're working on the next volume that it'll take us a long time, but... Um, Anyway, Bert, I just I'm consistently impressed with the way our listeners think and and react with us and ask good questions. I am as well, Alex. And listen, it's such a blessing to be able to communicate with you. And right now we have lines that are open and uh, make that call triple eight five eight nine eight eight four zero. And again, that book at afastore.net, it's resource center as well. I think you can go either way that way. And uh, so I hope you'll do that. Well, let's go to the phone lines. And first, we're going to the great state of Georgia and talk to Elizabeth. Elizabeth, what part of Georgia are you from? Hi, I am from Warner Robins, Georgia. Oh, wow. We've been there before, haven't we, Alex? We have. We Wonderful city. A lot of good people down there. Well, you have a question for us today, Elizabeth? I do. So I want to tell you, I love you guys. I think you guys are great. I know you all have a, a heart for the Father. Um, so I, I grew up in the Baptist church. I went Episcopalian, then to Methodist, then to Baptist. I've been to the Baptist church for probably 20 years of my life. Um, and I thought they had it right. But then I realized, I, I have to tell you, I have realized I, we are supposed to keep the law I heard you talking to somebody before about that. But the reason I realized it is only because Yeshua himself said it so many times. And if you can look at 1 John chapter 2, 
3 through 7. We know that we know him if we keep the commandments. You can look at the Revelation. Blessed are they that keep the commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and enter in through the gates into the city. You can look at Matthew. Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Now, I can give you about 27 more verses all over the Bible, New Testament and Old Testament, and even Paul, saying you do need to keep the law. So I have changed. I'm no longer in the Baptist church. I do keep the law now, and I keep the feast. Elizabeth, thank you for calling today. We enjoy you calling. Notice the words, his commandments. And uh, again, the big, you got to go back, Alex, and I'll set this up and you give a, a more thorough answer. What we had that caller Ezekiel the other day about the stony heart and then the heart of flesh, we're talking about the work that works in our hearts to work out of our hearts and we obey those commandments, again, not checking them off, what the Pharisees were doing with Jesus, what the false teachers, Judaizers, was trying to do with Paul was make that checklist, do this, do that. So outwardly, they would have all of this praise and glory. When John writes this and Paul writes this, he is saying you have the commandment written in your heart, and it goes from the inside out. Uh, it's not looking for perfection, but it sure is looking for direction, isn't it? It is. Um, is the caller still on? Uh, she may be. Elizabeth, are you there? Yes. Okay, go ahead. Yes, I am. Oh, Elizabeth, I, I'm not sure. We might be talking about the same thing, but just using different language. So I want to ask you a question. Um, if you died and stood before the Lord, and and Jesus said, Elizabeth, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? I would say because I did what you said to do. You said to keep the law and to have the testimony of the Messiah, Yeshua. So and that's what I did. You, you, in other words, you have to do two things to get to heaven. You have to keep the law and have the testimony of Yeshua. Only I know that only because he said it so many times. Read John. Read Matthew. Read the Revelation. Read all well, through Paul. Thank He's you, Elizabeth. So yeah. yeah. Let's so, so, Acts, let me, go to go to Acts real quick, Alex. About let me see what what was Paul's answer about being saved. What do I need to be saved? Acts sixteen thirty one. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Now I want to say, Elizabeth, and to everybody listening, I absolutely believe that we should live righteously. Um, if we have uh, accepted Christ and, and we have turned, turned a corner, we ought to live a holy life. But here's the thing, and listen very carefully, because this is the most important thing any of us could ever ponder. Because really, like D. James Kennedy, and my goodness, James Kennedy was a Presbyterian, very godly man, and um, he took holiness very seriously. But he... he built a program called Evangelism Explosion. And, it, you know, if you died and stood before God and God said, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? And the answer is, because I put my faith in Jesus Christ who paid my sin debt on the cross. Because listen to this. Galatians 2.21, Paul says, if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. 
And Paul said, I will not set aside the grace of God. See, Elizabeth, our standing, our forgiveness is not by keeping the law, it's by grace. And I'm going to prove it. You mentioned 1 John, 1 John 3.23. Okay, we say, okay, God, what, what commandment do I keep to get saved? This is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now, but notice that first part, we should believe on the name of his son. Now, First John, so we've got both John and Paul here. Both were apostles. And, I mean, you've got Peter at Pentecost. Repent, believe. That was Peter's whole message. Repent, believe. We've got John who says, These things have I written to you who believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know you have eternal life. John, 1 John 5.13 doesn't say, those of you who believe on the name of the Son of God and keep the law. And Paul, so I don't mean to debate you here, but this is really important that we trust what Christ did. He fulfilled the law, which we, despite our best efforts, simply could not do. For by grace you are saved through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If we add anything to Christ, when we stand before him, uh, we would have something to brag about saying, listen, I kept the law. I kept the commandments. No, we're there, Elizabeth, because of the grace of God. But again, what Paul and John, the writers, was talking about I'm a new creation in Christ, and that creation brings within us a change, uh, and, and that change is only through Christ, his Holy Spirit living in us, making us whole. Elizabeth, thank you for calling, and I pray that you'll keep listening to Exploring the Word. Uh, next, let's go to Tennessee and talk to Robert. Robert, welcome. I love you guys. Um, I listen to you on a regular basis um, because I, I get off work at three and I just get in the car and, and, and turn it right <laughs> on. You guys, I love. Amen. It. Thank you, Robert. Uh, I was thinking of you the other day, Bert. I drove past the sign that said Blue Mountain College, and uh, <laughs> yay! I've, I've yes, been, I've been I've been thinking more and more about uh, online courses, uh, more directed for. Uh, apology, apologetics, and um, uh, thank God I've, I've uh, uh, prayed in the past for uh, discernment. Uh, it's helped me a lot. Uh, but what type? Where? Where can I go for good online apologetics courses? Robert, thank you. Let me say something about Blue Mountain. Uh, Alex has taught with some of the staff there at Blue Mountain about apologetics and how it works, and we're excited about the possibility of what God is doing in that area at several colleges. And let me say one more about Blue Mountain. This is interesting. The last two weeks, I've, I've one, I met some people who told me that their friend, a young man, is going to Blue Mountain College. They're down in, in Arkansas, if I remember it right. And yesterday, we had a guy here. Uh, visiting, and he said, we're planning on going to Blue Mountain College because of the Bible department. So I appreciate that, Robert. But Alex, uh, online course for apologetics, are they available? Well, they, they really are, and God bless you. You know, we're really living in a golden age of of apologetics, which is defending the Christian faith. Now, I'll be teaching apologetics this summer 
uh, July 8 through 10 at the Billy Graham Training Center in Western North Carolina. Their website is thecove.org. And of course, you know, Blue Mountain College, where Bert went, we speak very highly of them. Yesterday, as we were enjoying the ceremony, the dedication of the Don Wildman Center for Cultural Transformation, I saw the president there of Wesley Biblical uh, Seminary, Matt, um, Bert, help me out. What's his last Ayers, name? Ayers, I think. Matt, Matt Ayers, yeah, that's right. I believe that's right. Of Wesley Biblical Seminary, and they've got some online learning. But let me say a couple things. There, There is online uh, the C.S. Lewis Institute, and they've got a free introductory course to the apologetics of C.S. Lewis, and I think it's really good. But a couple of things that I would say— uh, for one, SES, Southern Evangelical Seminary, started by Norm Geisler. He's in heaven now, and I was the president there. Frank Turek is an alumni there. SES is really good. And then also, and I can't overstate how excited I am, Karis Bible College out in Colorado. I've been uh, teaching there for about seven years, and a, a year ago they've asked me to write all kinds of biblical worldview curriculum, which I... I kind of do that in the evenings in my spare time, but uh, if you, it's C-H-A-R-I-S, Karis Bible College, and um, Tony Perkins uh, teaches there, and David Barton is in the School of Practical Government. So, Bert, a lot of our colleagues are both at SES, Southern Evangelical, and Karis out there in Colorado, and so um, wherever you live in the world, if you've got a computer— you can get Bible and worldview and apologetics education. It is amazing. What a time to live. That is true. You don't have to move 100 miles away to, to, to do that, and that is neat. So we're praying. Robert, thank you for, for bringing up Blue Mountain and driving, and thank you for listening and asking that great question. Let's go to Texas and talk to Samuel. Samuel, welcome. Um, welcome. Um, thank you very much for taking my call. Um, I was it was very, I was the gentleman that called in early yesterday, I believe, about Ezekiel um, 36. Um, but I was listening to what Elizabeth was saying, and and I understand the question that she asked and and what she had stated. And I'll be honest with you, if I were to stand before the Creator, I would look and say it was because of the blood of Yeshua that who washed my sins away. He was the Passover that took away the sins of the world and took away my sins. Amen, my, Samuel. My, my stance. Um, on the other hand, there's something very, very important, and it goes back to what Ezekiel 36, when he says, of course, we know with Jeremiah that he's written his, his um, laws, his Torah, his teachings and instructions on our hearts. But in the same vein, he's also given the spirit that enables us to do it, which is very, very important. Um, and I just wanted to make that one point because None of us, if we have the Spirit in us, none of us can think thoughts that are not appropriate, and the Spirit doesn't let us know that it's inappropriate. Amen. And it's up to us at that point to listen and not to grieve the Spirit, and then not to, um, you know, not to quench the Spirit by continuously ignoring what the Spirit is telling us. But there was something last week that, um, I believe it was Jim Staley who had made the point, he said that, um, that Jesus or Yeshua said he had a different commands, that he com his command was the Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. He said it was different than what was in 
the Old Testament. But in reality, he just repeated what was already written by Moses. And, and the reason I say that is because of the fact that in Mark 12, there was a scribe that challenged him and said, well, hey, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. As the second the, one. The second one's likened to it. Yeah. And so the, old, the interesting thing is, is that they were very well understood that loving Yah and loving man were the two greatest commandments. Amen. And William, really, the reason, and, William and wait, so just want to bring that up. Okay, great quick reason to do it. We're about to head for a break, and I wanted Alex to have time to, Jesus made it plain that the whole law is summed up in these two. The whole law was summed up. Love the Lord God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. Alex, uh, Jesus didn't come to, 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 to do away with all. He came to fulfill the law. And he gave me that word fulfill. He filled it full, didn't he? He bring he brought meaning to it that it works its well from the inside out. That God writes it on our heart, doesn't He? Exactly. You know, it says we would get a new heart, but there in uh, John thirteen, He said, "I give you a new commandment." But we can only live out that commandment: love our neighbor as ourselves, love God supremely. We can only really do that if we've been made new inside, regenerated, made alive by the Spirit of God. And how does that happen? By putting our faith in Jesus. Amen. We're taking calls early today. We're about 30 seconds away from the last break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk to William and Roy, Mark and Karen. Uh, We'll try to get to every one of those calls and answer those questions today because you're so important to us. You're listening to Bert and Alex here on AFR with Exploring the Word, and we'll be back with those questions right after this break. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. Washington Watch. This is a crisis of our own making, and that hard-nosed determination to not admit it for political reasons is just really, truly disheartening. Yeah, I I don't want to beat a dead horse, but on this particular issue, the contrast between the policies of the two administrations could not be sharper. As I've mentioned here on the program many times, I was at the border a little over a year ago. It was like a ghost town. Weekday afternoons at 4 Central and Saturday evenings at 6 Central on American Family Radio. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into 
one easy-to-manage monthly payment reduce your interest and possibly improve your credit score? You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Two women at the Edna Mahan Women's Correctional Facility in Clinton, New Jersey, were reportedly impregnated by a male inmate who was admitted into the women's prison after identifying himself as a woman. Since 2019, the women's prison has been admitting male inmates who claim to be women, and it now houses 27 men under the banner of transgenderism. Women inmates have complained that they feel threatened and have been harassed by the male prisoners. And by the way, the male prisoners identifying themselves as women are not required to undergo sex reassignment surgery prior to being admitted into the women's prison. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Colossians 1.13. American Family Radio. to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. I, I just got to say, what a song to bring us in after we've been discussing the cross of Christ. And I love that song. I do too, Alex. I listen, he is sufficient. And uh, just, it's all about Jesus. And when we get to heaven, we're going to get to say, thank you, Lord, for saving us. And uh, I, I agree with John Newton. Not a, he could save a wretch like me. Alex, mm. Not just a sinner. I, I I qualify as a wretch, brother. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> and that's why I like the the song lyrics, original as written, to save a wretch like me. And would, um, alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did that Sovereign die? Would He devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Liz, hey. <laughs> I know this is not 21st century political correctness, but without Christ. We're lower down than a worm. We are, brother. Amen. Uh, I, we're having church, as they say. Amen. Amen. Hey, Praise we got, his name. Yeah, we do. We're going to go to Virginia and talk to William. William, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, guys. It's great to talk to you. How are you doing? It is Good. a great day in the Lord, brother. Welcome. Thank you. Hey, I got a quick question for you. I was wondering if you could list or uh, quote some verses that would help us understand why we should pray okay why we should pray pray without ceasing it doesn't tell you but it's surrounded by it alex because when i think about in thessalonians there 
and it talks about who we are. I call it the eight cylinders to run the Christian motor on. Uh, man, and, and the bottom line is we should pray. Paul prayed. Uh, he said, my prayer for Israel is that they should be saved. So that's another reason to pray for lost people, isn't it? Well, exactly. You know, prayer for a lot of things, um, it, it's good for us to just be still and be quiet. And I'm preaching it myself here, you know. But uh, prayer is an experience of communion with God that you just don't get any other way. And prayer, why should we pray? Well, for one thing, the Bible tells us to, to pray without ceasing. In the Bible, Luke 18, 1, Jesus said that his disciples ought to always pray and not lose heart or give up. So, I mean, why should we pray? The fun, most fundamental reason of all is because the Word of God tells us to pray. And it says in, um, uh, is it First Peter 5, 7, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. Well, the other reason, Bert, though, there's uh, communion with God and growth that really we wouldn't get any other way. We are still, and we listen for that still, small voice. We open up our heart to God. And let me just say this, Bert, there's something about prayer. And we know God knows God sees right through us. He knows our, our whole heart and soul, every thought, every motive, every every half-truth, every untruth. But when, when we pray, we get honest before God, and we, we come away from prayer stronger, humbler, more alive, more instructed. Um, I, Bert, I just think about this. If you played for uh, UCLA under Coach Wooten, you sure would have had time with that coach every chance you got. Okay, and I, yes. th these are not great analogies, but hey, if you were a keyboard player and the teacher was Beethoven, uh, I believe you'd spend all the time you could with him, right? I agree. Spend time with the Lord. Someone told me to pray with an open Bible, but pray sometimes without one because you don't always have it open. But pr men should always pray. That's the whole idea. And we pray to the Lord. William, thank you, brother. Let's go to Georgia and talk to Mark. Mark, welcome. Hey, thank you for taking my call. I really appreciate what Christ does for you guys each and every day. <laughs> I just am blessed by it and um, just appreciate both of you. Um, I was just really kind of burdened with uh, the caller, Elizabeth. I, I just wanted to point out John fourteen six, where Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And then I would also point out that the thief on the cross never had any opportunity to do good works. As a matter of fact, he had spent his whole life doing probably bad works, and Christ told him, today you'll be with me in paradise. Amen. Mm. Thank, thank you, That's Mark. That's great observation, my it friend. It is. It is. Uh, you know, uh, the Bible says he's going to judge our works, and, and that idea is rewards. He's going to reward our our works and give those. And listen, the Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we're saved by grace through faith, but verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship created unto good works. Out of that relationship with Christ comes a heart that's been changed. We're a new creature in Christ, 
and we we serve him. And, and so, Alex, I praise the Lord for the grace of God. Apart from that, there's no hope for any of us, is there? No, no, only by his grace. And, you know, Bert, um, every now and then people will say, hey, we don't hear a sermon on this or that. More people ought to preach on this or that subject. I think there needs to be more preaching and teaching on the subject of grace. <laughs> D.L. Moody, I, I listen, I, I you and I think we talked about reading this, you know. We love D.L. Moody. Listen, uh, and he majored on the grace and love of God, and yet condemnation of sin was real, but it was from the point of view of the love and grace of God. And uh, you heard, I got to tell this story about this is a Baptist church, and they had a pastor search committee. They went to hear two guys in a row, and they both preached on hell, and they were good friends. They called one and not the other. <clears throat> so the one that was called went to that church. So his friend that didn't get to go to that church, but they heard him preach, uh, you know, he had preached the same sermon on hell. So he asked his friend, why did they call you and not me? And he said, do you really want to hear? And he said, yeah. He said, when you preached on hell, it sounded like you wanted everybody to go there. And when I preached on hell, it sounded like I didn't want anybody to go there. So mm. when we preach about sin, when we teach about sin, Alex, we need to do it to say, listen, it's Christ who delivers us from sin. He's the one that takes us to heaven, not our own works. Thank you, Mark. I, thank you, brother. Let's go to Texas and talk to Karen. Karen, welcome. Hey, uh, thank you for taking my call, and I do listen to you guys as often as possible, which is almost every day. Well, thank you, Karen. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, you're welcome. Um, I always, you know, that circle that we get into, but I'm reading in my little devotional that I have from Oswald Chambers, and and it has in Second Peter 1, 5, and it says, Add to your faith virtue. And it says, and Moffat, I'm not sure exactly, he says, furnish your faith with resolution. Maybe he's someone else that I have not read. But it says add means there is something we have to do. We are in danger of forgetting that we cannot do what God does and that God will not do what we can do. We cannot save ourselves nor sanctify ourselves. God does that, but God will not give us good habits. He will not give us character. He will not make us walk right. We have to do all that ourselves, and we have to work out our salvation. God has worked in. So it says add means to get into the habit of doing things. And I think it's for myself as a Christian. You know, I was speaking with someone the other day, and I said, you know, if we're not, if we're not decent, honorable, kind, loving people, what is the difference between us and uh, someone that does all the opposite of those things? You know, that you can't walk around and say, I'm a Christian and beat up your neighbors all the time. That, that's wrong. Amen, Karen. Thank you. Listen, that is passage in Second Peter 1. Add, mm -hmm. Alex, <clears throat> that not that what we're talking about? Work on our salvation, work it out, get the weeds out, and, and it the, the other place, and I want you to comment, it says put off the old man and put on the new man. Take off the old clothes and put on the new clothes. Isn't that a comment on Second Peter 1, 
uh, five th- following. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. And you know it's so beautiful in English translations. Second Peter one five. It'll say, uh, "Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge." And it's just a wonderful list. Let me tell you, uh, Brother Peter there does as good as Paul in making lists. Uh, <laughs> but here's the thing. The word add, A-D-D, is really the word supplement in the Greek. It's the word for supplement. Now, to what? Now, go back to verse 3, 2 Peter 1, 3. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue, through Jesus. So it's amazing that um, verse 2, Jesus our Lord and this divine power, the regenerative power of the Holy Spirit that drew us to Christ, we're saved, we're forgiven. All right, now, in addition to conversion, salvation, the power of the Spirit of God uh, gives us, verse 3, all things pertaining to life and godliness. So when it says, add to your faith virtue, it's not that we're halfway saved, and if we do all these others, we'll get fully saved. But what it's, as I understand it, Bert, we supplement the new birth, by pursuing, verse 5, diligence, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, kindness, and these things. um, I'll put it this way, and I'm going to throw it to you. Salvation is a free gift, but sanctification, in other words, growing in Jesus, we got to invest. I mean, your forgiveness, your conversion— Jesus paid it all. You just put your trust in Jesus. But if you're going to grow, mature as a Christian, and become all that the good Lord intends you to be, and have the joy of the Spirit-filled life, you're going to have to daily commit to that. It's discipline. We're called to be disciples of Christ. Part of disciples is discipline in your walk and following Christ. And when you do, those are things that we come in and they and like you said, supplement, and each one builds upon the other. Thank you so much for that question and that comment, Karen. Let's go to Texas and talk to Jessica. Jessica, welcome. Hi. Yes, go right Hi. ahead. Thank you for listening. Yes, thanks. I listen to you guys all the time. <laughs> um, we sure appreciate so, it. Thank you. My question today is, so I was like in a, a little debate with somebody about abortion. Um, I mean— they feel like it's um, not a black and white subject, which, I mean, feel like it is. But what they were saying is, okay, well, if God allowed murder in the Old Testament, you know, how, you know, all the fighting and judges, and he's wanting people to go and kill people in battle, he say, they're asking me, why is that okay? Um, but it's not okay to kill babies. Like, what? It, murder. It's in the test, old, I mean, in the. Ten Commandments, thou shalt not murder. So why is one murder okay versus the other? Okay, well, murder hey, is never okay, is it, Alex? It's killing no. and murder, two different things. It is. And let me say this, and I want to throw it to Bert. Um, murder and killing are two different things. Now, I know uh, we wish there were no killing, but in a fallen world, God gives people and nations the right to self-defense. Now, in the Old Testament, 
Yes, there's a lot of wars, a lot of battles and fighting, but what God was doing in the Old Testament, he was calling the Jewish people into the promised land. He was setting up Israel as a nation through which he would send Jesus. And as that 420 years they were entering the land, and over four centuries Israel repeatedly was fighting for their very survival. So God gives people and nations the right to self-defense that sadly uh, sometimes involves killing. But murder, uh, which is the unjustified taking of another human's life, including an unborn baby, people always say, my body, my choice. But here's the thing. The body inside of your body uh, is not your body. <laughs> you know, it's uh, another person's body. So, Bert, um, uh, abortion is not self-defense. Now, it might be an attempt to rectify a decision you wish you hadn't have made, like having sex outside of marriage, but um, the, the killing of a baby is not justified, therefore it is murder, because it's not self-defense or national defense. Jessica, <clears throat> Jessica, we hope that helps. When you said that, you know, you see those signs, my, bo- my body, my choice, Alex, I'm just throwing this out to you. Hadn't got a lot of time. Roy and Jay, we'd love to get to you today, but we just won't have time. But we have fire away Friday tomorrow, so remember that. But, Alex, if I could say my home, my choice, I could – what could I if, – if, if that's the idea, somebody living in my home who is completely separate from me does not give me the right to eliminate them and kill them – that that child inside of the home of the mother does not give them that right to yes. do away with that child. Am I off target with that illustration? You're right. I mean, folks, even Christopher Hitchens, who was an atheist, he said the unborn baby is a human, has therefore the rights guaranteed by the Constitution, and the expectant mother alone should not make the choice about the fate of the unborn baby. Wow. Man, Even was, an atheist. Yeah, I agree. Hey, we're saved by grace through faith, but we are created and saved under good works. And so keep on. Make sure you're saved. You trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, and then follow him and obey him and do the work by which he has called us to do. Alex, it's been great to be with you, brother. Well, ditto, ditto. Folks, thanks for listening to Exploring the Word and all the great programming on the American Family Radio Network. We sincerely appreciate it. Tell somebody about the American Family Radio Network. Most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.